Thanks for listening to a YPC podcast. We believe God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we'd love to hear about it. Take a second to send your story to office at ypcprior.com and enjoy the message today. Hey, hey, hey. Thanks, guys. Well, good morning, Your Place Church. How's everyone doing today? Are you good? Did you, everybody get some coffee? Get some cookies. It's all free. You might as well drink it and eat it all up. You know what I mean? You guys already paid for it. You might as well drink it. So, uh, so glad you guys could be with us today um, celebrating Jesus. Come on. This, this team right here, the worship, the production, uh, the events team, they have had a, cu- a, a, a good full couple of weeks. Um, last Wednesday, last, uh, obviously Wednesday, and then uh, Virtue Night last night. Come on, can we give it up for them one more time? You guys, appreciate all of you. Virtue Night was a hit, and I, I, the ladies, the, if you couldn't come last night, you missed it. I'm, I'm, there's no way to sugarcoat it. It was just that great of an evening. 120 ladies signed up. We had over 50 volunteers, so like 170 in the room. Super great night. Two sessions, one of which turned out to be some impromptu Q&A session. Tyra gets up, and she's like, I'm just going to just let them ask questions. And, uh, and here's the thing you need to know about Tyra. Tyra, like, will go to conferences and stuff like that. And anytime, anytime you go to a conference, lo and behold, a Q&A session just always breaks out, right? And, uh, and some, of those, some of those Q&A sessions aren't always the most fruitful if you've been to them. And so we knew it was the Lord when Tyra was like, I think I'm just going to let them ask questions. And we're like, okay. Well, it turned out at the end of the night, the Q&A portion of Virtue ended up being the lady's favorite part of the night. And so we're thinking about doing, you know, a, 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 a kind of a whole new little thing. We're going to call it Coffee with Tyra. You know, everybody can come, ask questions. She's shaking her head. We haven't told her yet. You know, Wonder City, you know, everybody buys Tyra a cup of coffee or something. No, we, don't, we aren't going to do something like that. But that can happen in a Virtue life group. And so we've got several Virtue Life Groups that are going to be firing up in the fall. And so please be watching our Life Group wall. Um, and that's kind of the nature of them. You sit around, you get to know each other. And uh, the Virtue curriculum is great. Uh, and and, and that's, it's worth going to for that. But what falls out during the questions makes the whole time worth it. Amen, everyone. So it was a great after party. <coughs> Excuse me. For those of you... Um, who, uh, who had to potentially leave early. You missed the after party. It was so great. I'm still convinced some of our people in our church don't know that we have a gymnasium. That's actually a gymnasium back there, but every time you've been back there, it's been transformed into this beautiful venue. And so again, the events team did a great job with that. Um, it's, it's something that we look forward to every year. And um, I told, because, you know, we got a wedding in two weeks, and so I told all of our staff, because of all the stuff we've been doing lately, at June 15th, after the wedding, we're in a yellow flag season. If you're a NASCAR fan, you know what I mean. It's just like, everybody just stay in pace, okay? Just, let's just calm down for a little bit. So, we are excited about what God's doing here. Today, we're actually starting a five-part series answering the question, who am I? I mean, who am I really? You know, when you're looking through Scripture, we'll see several heroes of our faith that who at times have all had to ask and answer the question, who am I really? 
And we all find ourselves in those same situations. The Bible is full of people who either couldn't answer the question, or worse, they felt ashamed or embarrassed by their answer. We all know the story of Job. Job was a great guy, but Job also was the husband of a very bitter wife and the father of some pretty wicked kids. Now, if you're in the room and that sounds like you, don't raise your hands, okay? But that's Job's story. Uh, Abraham was a sad old man with no kids to carry on his legacy. That's how he felt at one season in his life. Isaac was a liar. His son Jacob was a mama's boy. And a manipulative con artist who would pretend to be whatever he needed to be in the moment. Joseph was his dad's favorite and hated by his brothers. Moses was an orphan who grew up in the palace of an empire that eventually tried to kill him. Rahab was a prostitute. Samson fell in love with a Philistine, married her, and then that whole ordeal sent his life into a tailspin, which would ultimately cost him his life. Gideon was a a bully coward struggling to make ends meet, right? These are all people we know in the Old Testament. Ruth was an abandoned widow left to starve. David was the son of a father who forgot to call him on the most important day of the history of his family. Oh yeah, we do have another boy. He's out tending the sheep, right? Then we have Solomon, which was a sex addict. Jonah, which was a hater. And this is barely scratching the surface of the Old Testament, who we now refer to as heroes that we read about. And I think all of us can probably identify seasons in our life when we have felt confused. Maybe we felt unloved or unlovable, ashamed or insecure. And if that's you, you're in good company with some of the greatest men and women of faith there has ever been. Here's what we need to understand. As we look into this new series and what God wants to do inside of us, what you think about yourself determines how you feel in what you believe. What you think about yourself determines how you feel in what you believe. Well, if that's true, and it is, then what you believe shapes how you act. Are you with me, friends? And how you act forms your character, and your character frames up your future. And it all starts about how or who you think you are, how you believe. And this is why you and I have got to answer the question, who am I? And we've got to get the right answer to this. So take a breath. We're going to dive into some of these things today and really this whole month as we start answering these questions. And I want you to begin to see yourself the way God sees you. And we want you to discover who he created you to be. Because once you understand who you are in Christ, it changes everything, friends. It really does. I really believe that we're we're on the cusp of an identity crisis, not only in our county, but in our world. And we're going to set the record straight during this series. Amen, everyone? Let's pray. Father, we thank you right now. Again, Father, for your word. Lord, you drew me to this message several, several months ago, and we knew that this message was going to start our summer and then our fall ministry season here at Your Place Church. 
And Father, you would not have put this message in our heart if you did not have some things you wanted to say. You would not put a message in our heart if it, if it wasn't true that there were people in our services, in our church that's like a family, that God that needs to know and understand who they are in you. Father, people who have been struggling with fear, people who have been struggling with manipulation and intimidation, people who wrestle with insecurity or this comparison thing. Lord, all of that tends to go away when we recognize that we serve you, a Father who loves us for who we are, unconditionally, no matter what we do, no matter how we've acted in our past or behaved, God, who wants to bring us to this place, God, of complete fullness. So, God, we lean into not only this message, but, God, this series, because this is the first series in a greater movement that we sense you taking us as a church. So, Lord, we love you. I thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, there was a, a moment early on in our church plant where we had decided to get involved with the prior area chamber of commerce. And I had found out that anybody who was connected to anything really that was going on in our city, they, all, they were all connected somehow through the chamber of commerce. And the Lord granted us favor. In fact, that's one of the reasons we have the foster care initiative that we have today is because of the prior area chamber of commerce. We got around some people that says, you know what? Because I was asking them, where does prior hurt? Like, if we could unlock the vault of our community, then we can unlock the heart of our community. Like, where do we hurt? And someone told me foster care. At that time, we had over 200 kids just in Mays County in the foster care network. And so we started doing these events to kind of reach the foster care community. That all came through the Chamber of Commerce. And I can remember being a part of the chamber. It wasn't too long. We started to get favor with the chamber president, she invited me to be on the board of directors of the prior area chamber of commerce. And up until last year, I served in that capacity for several, several years. And I'll never forget one of the earliest events that they invited us to be a part of was the chamber banquet. Anybody who's a chamber member gets invited to the chamber banquet. I don't think we do these as much anymore. But that particular time, the chamber president came to me and says, hey, I want you to open up in prayer before we speak. So it's, it, that, at that time is out at Dry Gulch, USA, which is now Frontier Cove. And so she was like, I want you to open up. We're going to have this speaker. If you could pray before that, that would be stinking awesome. And you would think as a pastor, you know, of a, of a, of a, of a new church launch, a new church plant, that this would be super exciting. But there was something about that particular event. I mean, at this stage in my ministry, I had been serving the Lord in this capacity as a minister for like 16, 17 years. I have spoke on stage, uh, stages in front of thousands of people. But for whatever reason, this event was different to me. These were not church people. These were just like people, people. You know what I mean? They're just like people, people. Like I didn't even know if they prayed. I didn't know if they wanted to pray. I didn't know if they especially wanted me to pray, right? Have you ever had that before? Have you ever felt that way? Have, you, have they ever heard someone pray before? 
And then here's another one that a lot of us deal with. Are they going to critique my prayer? Right? If they've been to church before, if they've heard really good prayer people pray, are they going to get up and go, eh, I mean, he's a new pastor. We'll give him some grace, right? I, the, all of this stuff is running through my head. And as I was introduced, I'm going to invite Darian Rains, pastor of uh, My Place Church, to come up and... Uh, because that's the way everybody refers to us, which I don't actually have a problem with. Hey, you're the pastor of my place, aren't you? Yes, I am. It is your place. Exactly. Right? So I'm going to in- introduce the, the pastor of my place church to come up and, and, and introduce us in prayer or lead us in prayer. And I can remember in that moment, I felt so insecure. I felt like I, I don't know what I was going to do. In that moment, I'll be honest, I lost my words. I'm walking to the microphone, and I'm like, I have nothing to say. I'm going to get up there, and it's going to be crickets. I've been doing this for 17 years. You would think a minister of the gospel could pray at the drop of a hat, but I had no words. I had no idea. In that moment, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I don't even know what to pray for. Like, do I? we already had the food, so I can't bless the food. Do I pray for the speaker? Do I just pray for the meeting? Do I pray for the chamber president? Is she going to feel weird about that? Like, I just don't know. And I quickly prayed this little prayer to myself. God, help me pray to you. (laughs) That's what I prayed. God, help me pray to you. And then I reasoned out in that moment, you know what? Most of these people aren't going to remember my prayer anyway. They're just here to hear the speaker. And then that one hits me. I want them to remember my prayer. Like, I want to pray in such a way they get goosebumps. Like, they could be atheist or agnostic, and they're like, oh, there is a God, because he prayed so amazing, right? Which made it worse. It just made it all worse, right? Long story short, God was good. I didn't blubber over my words, and nobody remembers my prayer. But they did introduce me as a new pastor, of even though they got the name of our church wrong, they knew that, 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 that we were here. And God used that moment. What is it about insecurity? Because that's what it was. I felt so daggum insecure in that moment. What is it about insecurity that gets in our head? It gets in our thoughts. I believe that, that we all feel like there's a better version of ourselves out there. And we would like to meet that version. We would like to meet that person. Who am I when I'm given a permission to speak or in this case to pray? Who am I when things change in my life? Who am I when I'm entering a different season of my life? Who am I when I don't think I measure up? Who am I when things should be happening faster than they are right now? Do I really have what it takes to accomplish this project, this endeavor, this new season, right? We all face this internal dialogue in our head that keeps asking us these types of questions. Who am I really? Now, we're all pretty good at masking this. We, we all can kind of get ourselves through Seasons, we have this false confidence that comes up, or, or maybe we'll just we'll, we'll quote some 
random knowledge of the whatever topic at hand that we know. Some of us will just crack jokes to get the attention off of us, right, and get people laughing. Who am I during all of those seasons? And if we're going to tell the truth, there are several times in life where we feel super uneasy about what's going to happen next. That's called insecurity. I'm not secure. I don't feel comfortable. I'm super uneasy. I kind of just want this moment to just go away, right? Insecurity, defined, is simply a lack of self-confidence. It's self-doubt. I don't know that I have what it takes, right? It's self-doubt. What is that? It's insecurity. It's um, diffidence. It's unassertiveness. It's humility. It's meekness. It's timidity. It's uncertainty. It's nervousness. There's a hesitancy that comes with insecurity. Uh, it's an inhibition. It's self-consciousness, right? I'm just, I feel really self-conscious right now. I'm just so super self-conscious. Simply put, it's what we feel when we really, really care about what people think who we really care about. Does that make sense? That's what insecurity is. I just really want to make a good impression. Or I really just don't want to mess this up. Why? Because you care about what people think because you care about them. Does that make sense, friends? You know, I wanted to make an impression in front of all these business leaders in our community. I actually cared what they thought of me. I cared what their opinion of was of me. And in my mind, I was going to pray this amazing prayer, and they were all going to go, wow, like that guy's super spiritual. You know what I mean? Or they, they were all going to come, man, i got to go try out his church because if he prays like that, what do you think he preaches like? Right? That's, that's what's going in my head. And I think someday, uh, we all think that someday we're going to grow out of insecurity, that one of these days I'm going to be so confident it just won't matter, right? One of these days I'm going to feel like I'm the expert in the room. One of these days I'm going to be the smartest, the most talented, the most handsome, the most funny, the most cute, the most amazing, eloquent person in the room, and I won't feel insecure anymore. But I'm convinced we have all had these opportunities to feel secure, and we probably will our whole life, but we don't have to. Because once we find out who we are in Christ, all of that changes. Amen, everyone? And so I want to look at the life of Moses. Now, he's 80 years old. Taliana was speaking a little bit about this last night during Virtue. But he, let, me, let me set it up. He's 80 years old. He has a family. He's finally found some rhythm in his life, right? He's, he's got his pattern down. Even though he was raised as the prince of Egypt, he killed a guy and ran for his life. Now he's working for his father-in-law as a sheep herder, which ironically is the lowest form of occupation to his previous Egyptian family. Like they think, here's peasants, here's sheep herders. Like they think that is just the worst. 80 years old, hasn't grown out of his insecurity. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. 
He had led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire within a bush. Again, this is that iconic burning bush moment. You don't even have to go to church, read your Bible, and you know about this story, right? And Moses saw that the bush was on fire but did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. At this moment, we're thinking, this dude is super confident. He's like, that bush is on fire. I'll go check it out, right? We think of this super confident guy here, like 80 years old, Moses. Verse 4, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here am I, right? Here I am. Don't come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I'm the God of your fathers, uh, the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And at this moment, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God, which I think would be a very similar experience with all of us. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. I am concerned about their suffering. At this point, they had been in slavery for roughly 400 years. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, the people he's referring to are Moses' peeps. They're his people, right? that's, That's who he came from are these people. So I can imagine Moses is probably feeling pretty good at this moment about God wanting to come and rescue his people. Verse 9, and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. I have seen uh, the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. Moses is like, me too, God. Like, it's wrong. I'm happy you're doing something about it, right? Verse 10, so now go. I'm sending you. (laughs) I'm sending you. You to go to Pharaoh and bring my people out of out of my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And so Moses is having this. That's right. They're wrong. They're treating your people bad. I want you to go. Whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. No, 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 no. And then here it is, verse eleven. Moses said to God, "Who am I?" I mean, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? What was he saying? You got the wrong guy. Like, I've got a story. Like, they know me down there. And this is what happens. Insecurity creeps in in these moments. Moses was raised in that palace. He knows those people. They knew him. They knew that he killed the Egyptian and then ran. Even though it was years ago, he assumes they haven't stopped looking for him. And that's that's what insecurity does. It assumes that just because we haven't moved on, no one else has either. Are you with me, friends? You know, I was, I was, I was, I was going to throw the, the touchdown pass at the regional finals, and I was going to win the game, and, and, I, and I intercepted, or I threw an interception, and, and I've never lived that down. You're 30 years old now, and you assume that everybody still remembers, yeah, he blew the game. He blew the game that year. That was him. You know what I mean? Maybe... 
you know, you got pregnant in high school, and even though everybody else was having sex, you somehow ended up with the kid, right? And you got labeled as the wild one. Or just because you come from a, uh, a family of, of brothers and sisters who were hellions, okay, everybody thinks that just because you're related to them, you're guilty by association. See, we assume so much about what other people are thinking. When in reality, most of them haven't given us a second thought because they're too insecure about themselves. They're too much afraid of thinking about what you're thinking about them. Do you see the vicious loop we get ourselves in? We're so bound up in what we think other people are thinking that we get so trapped in our self doubt. Is this going to help anybody today? I really feel like this is a message the Lord wants to minister to us as a church. Insecurity has this tendency to zoom in on ourself and our abilities more than zooming in on God and his ability. Moses is like, who, who am I? You got the wrong guy here. I can't do this because I'm afraid of what they might think. I'm afraid of what they're going to say. I'm afraid of what they're going to do with me. Verse 12, God said, I'll be with you. Bro, I got you. You're, you're good. I'll be with you. That wasn't enough for Moses. Yeah, you might be with me, but I'm still the one doing the talking. Like, I'm still the one that's got to go parading up in Pharaoh's courtyard and up into his throne room and ask this request. Like, Tay Liana last night, she was so cute. You guys didn't know this. Backstage, she's hyperventilating because, you know, she's like, I got to go talk. I got to go speak. I got to go speak. I don't know. I don't know. What is she doing? She's feeling a little, in this moment, a little insecure. And so I had to grab her little face, and I was like, you are wired for this girl. And she's like, okay, but I'm never doing this again. It goes back and gets on stage, right? And come on, ladies in the room, did she not do a great job? She did. She absolutely did. God is saying, I am with you, but in our minds, we're like, it's still me putting myself out there. I'm the one still leading the meeting. I'm the one that has to come up with what to say and not look like an idiot, right? I'm the one that has to take lead on this project. I'm the one that's got to get out of my comfort zone. And God is saying to all of us, yeah, but I'm with you. But I, I'm with you. But so many of us, we don't know what to do with that information. Great. Let's go. I'm still talking. Like, if you want to be with me and I can give you the mic, that's awesome, right? But, but God is saying, no, 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 you're missing it. I'm with you. And we're like, it doesn't change the fact that I still have to do something. Verse 16, go assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, appeared to me and said, I've watched over you and I've seen what has been done to you in Egypt. So now I've got to tell these people, oh yeah, God appeared to me and talked about you, right? And I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the those people, <clears throat> to a land flowing with milk and honey. The elders of Israel will listen to you. So God's giving him a pep talk, like they're going to listen. 
It's going to be cool. God gives him a step-by-step instructions and then completely reassures him of what's going to happen. Do what I say. They will listen. Like, I'm the God who can see the end from the beginning. It's going to work. Trust me, right? Moses answered, what if they don't believe me? Or listen to me. Or say, the Lord didn't really appear to you, freak. Right? What if they don't listen? What if they think I'm full of poo? Right? What if they think that? What? Then what, God? I know these people. They're not going to believe me. This is what we do. We think we know more than God does. Now, we'll never admit that to anybody, but deep down when we're resisting God, what we're really doing is, I know how they're going to respond, and I don't trust you in this moment. Because I know me, and I'm not a good talker. I've never been in public speaking before. I've never done this before. How? This sounds like a pretty big deal. I don't want to fail. This is what Moses is saying. Some of, I'm the one that dropped the touchdown pass. I'm the one that blew the deal for the company. I'm the one that, that failed in my marriage. I'm the one that wasn't there for my kids. Like, it's me, it's me, it's me. I'm wrong, I'm bad, I can't. I can't do this. You know, I remember a season in my life, uh, I'm in youth ministry at the time, and the Lord had blessed us, and we're, we're, we're being fairly successful in youth ministry. Back in our, when we, when we served at a church in Kansas, we had one of the larger youth groups in the community, and I can remember looking for resources to help youth pastors build and grow their youth, youth ministries. And there just wasn't a whole lot out there. And the Lord had given us some favor, and our youth ministry had grown, and it was something pretty cool. And, and I was coming up with ways to, to go and help other guys who did what I did and help them with their youth ministries, right? I'm like, man, if, if I could just come and show them and give them our systems, give them our template, walk them through how to make or how to build an effective youth ministry, I think it would be really cool. And God was birthing this vision inside of me to go out and help youth pastors all over the world. And I can remember sitting down and talking to a person who was a big influencer in my life. And I, I, he's like, well, what's your dream? And I said, well, I want to go out and I want to just help youth pastors. I really feel like we have a product that works and I think I can help them. And he's like, that ain't going to work. I'm sorry? Yeah, that ain't going to work. Where's your book? I, I've never written a book. Yeah, that's right. How many conferences are you speaking at this year? None. Yeah, no one's going to listen to you. And in that moment, he didn't even realize what he was doing, but he was putting a seed inside of my heart that said, you don't have what it takes to do that. He didn't realize he was doing it. But I can remember, it wasn't up until almost recent times that the Lord had to take me all the way back because there were seasons in my life that that God had asked me to do something great, not quite like Moses, but it was great to me. And I can remember, and I would never say it out loud, but that that voice in my head was saying, you don't have what it takes because you never wrote a book, because you're not some big conference speaker. And God was like, that's not a prerequisite for you to do what I'm telling you to do. Are you with me, friends? God set me free from that. Now we're not just coaching youth pastors, we're coaching pastors all over God's green earth because I dealt with that issue. Does that make sense? 
That's insecurity, and if, if, if we let it, it will cripple us. But I got set free from it, and I want to help you get set free from it. Well, what did we do? How do I overcome that feeling? This is where we have to trust in God's ability more than ours. And this is, where, this is where we get down to where the rubber meets the road. Verse 10, Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent. You want me to go and talk to these people? I've never been eloquent, neither uh, in the past since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, you can kind of see his tone change a little bit. Who gave human beings their mouth? In other words, who, who made it so you can speak? Me. Right? God says this, right? Who, who makes them deaf or mute or gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it, it's not, is it not I, the Lord? Now, look at him. Go. I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. We all will have moments in our own lives where we have to trust in God's ability through you. When we truly lean on God's ability is when we truly find out who we really are. God is saying this to every one of you. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Take that risk. Take that step. Take that promotion. Accept that offer. Step out. Lead a life group, right? Serve in some kind of a capacity. Get involved. And it's everyday, subtle moments that God wants to lead you in this area. And he'll stretch you to take steps. Just step right here. That's what he's saying. Just step right here. That's all I need you to do. Just take this step. We'll deal with the rest of the journey later. Just trust me. And he'll take a step, or we'll take a step, and, and it works. When I was about to pray at the chamber event, I whispered a very real, very personal prayer, God, help me in this step. Then I paused. I took a breath, and I waited for his unction, and then I stepped up to the microphone. Every weekend before I come out on this stage, I'm standing right behind that wall. And I'm paused, and I'm like, God, I've got a, lot of, I got a lot of notes on screen. I don't want this to be me. I want this to be you. I want, this to, I want these to be your words. And I wait. And about the time that the announcement people introduce me, I hear, go. And I step out. What is your step? What is God asking you to stretch yourself in? What is, God, what is God challenging those little voices of insecurity in your life? Moses got to the point where he trusted that God was going to do exactly what he said he was going to do. And for you, it's a step. Are you going to lead that meeting? Are you going to host that event at your house next time? Are you going to pick the book at the book club? Like, what are you going to do? Pause. Wait for him. Don't pause for days. Pause for a moment. Wait for him and then take a step. Who am I? Who am I? It's the question we're all asking. 
Who am I in seasons of change? Who am I when times are tough? When I'm expected to do something that I've never done before? When I'm surrounded by people who I actually care about how they think of me? I'm a person who has anchored myself to the character and nature of God, who has never left me, who has never forsook me, who's not going to let me fall on my face, who gives me strength, who gives me power. I'm going to pause and allow him to reassure me in these events. Our true identity can and is only found in Jesus Christ. We are fashioned, designed, and handcrafted with careful thought and loving intentionality by the greatest artist in the history of creation. That's you. So many people look at themselves and they think, not me. He, he gave everybody else talents. No, 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 no. He's not a respecter of persons. He wouldn't give someone else talents and not give you talents. You just haven't found out who you are yet. Are you with me, friends? You were created in the perfect image of a perfect God to reflect His glory to the world. But you inherited a realization, a sin nature that fractured our ability to be who God created us to be. For me, it was a conversation with that influential voice in my life. You don't have what it takes. For you, could have been someone else. But Jesus made you, Jesus made a way for you to break you free from the cruel, sinful nature of the world. The more disconnected we are from God, the more struggle we'll have in our identity. When we resolve that Jesus knows us better than we know ourselves, He begins to show us who we really, really are. And over the next five weeks, we're going to talk about some of these things. We're going to dig into manipulation. We're going to dig into intimidation. We're going to dig into pride. We're going to dig into fear. Some of these areas that you're like, yeah, I think I'm going to be gone the next few weeks. No, 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 no. Be here. Be here. Because who you will become as a result of these next five weeks will change your life forever. You'll walk with your head high because you know who you are in Jesus Christ. And then God's going to begin proving himself to you again and again and again and again. Can I pray with you, Father? We love you. And Lord, we thank you that over the next few weeks, you're going to be answering the question in every single one of us, who am I really? And Lord, today, you've just barely scratched the surface of what you want to do, of who you've created us to be. And Lord, we know this, that God, it starts, all of this starts with a relationship with Jesus. God, if we're going to find out who we are in Christ, we have to know Christ. Otherwise, it's just, it doesn't make sense to us. So, God, I pray that everybody in the room in this moment can answer the very first question. Do I know Jesus? Have I invited Jesus into my life? And if the answer to that question is 
know or I don't remember or I, I think so, but I'm not sure, then you need to know so. You need to know that God has, has paid the price for you, that he wants to be in relationship with you. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to embarrass yourself. I don't, we just don't do that here. But I would like to know if there's people in the room that I can pray for. Before we transition this service, before we go on and have a great Sunday afternoon, are there people in the room that you would say, yeah, I, I don't know, and I need to know? You do need to know. So heads about, eyes are closed. If that's you, just put your hand up and put it right back down if that's you. Man, I need Jesus. Or maybe you once had a relationship with Jesus, but you walked away from him. We don't want to, you know, waste the opportunity to, to win somebody to a relationship with Jesus. Anybody like that at all in this room? Thank you. Anybody else I can pray with you? Anybody else I can pray with you? Because Jesus wants to make it right, right here in your life. Well, the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. So I want everybody just to pray this out loud with me. Just say, Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. And Jesus, right now, I ask you to come into my life to make me a brand new person. I'm choosing today to spend the rest of my life in a relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to a YPC podcast. Visit our website at ypcprior.com to hear more.